Hey everybody, this is Junkie T and this is a song Babe Might Me bringing you in to episode 258. We're going to make tonight's episode as quick as possible. I needed to get one on the record books uh, while we're still in September. And uh, yeah, we're going to a quick show coming up for you this, uh, this afternoon, this evening, tonight, whenever you're listening. And uh, let's get on it. Let's get crack lacking. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. Alright, with no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Uh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? Hey everyone, this is Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And when I am getting a root canal or something else really just painful and shitty, I like to listen to the, the sound of my own voice. All right. All right. Got Eliza. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode, like I said, this is 258. I hope you're having a phenomenal week. We need to get this one in the bag so we have uh, an episode two for September. And I realize I'm cutting it kind of close. It's the last day of September. But you know what? I was like, oh, we'll do it on September 31st. Guess what? Might as well do it on February 31st because neither of them exist. Boy. Uh, so, hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, as you know, we need to give a disclaimer. The views and the opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy position or opinions of the Creative Writing Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, any of our other sister uh, or peer cohort uh, podcasts, or any past, present, or future guest on the show, and any opinion. I better say that legally. Any opinion or opinion, if that's such a thing, is their respective owners and does not intend to malign anyone or anything, even Yamaha Grizzly owners. Uh, Hey, that was a good special effect. Yamaha Grizzly. I'm going to do that as a special effect. Uh, I don't need special effects because uh, I got with me on the show Tobor tonight. Hello and goodbye. That's all you get from me this week. (laughs) Carbon flatulence containers. Oh, nice. Is that all we are? Is carbon flatulence containers to you? Uh, since you were just, is that really all humans are to you? Is little germ pools and, and fart holders, pretty much? I am now going to enter standby mode to save resources and my sanity. Oh, okay. You really are shutting down. Okay. Well, I guess um, I do need to rely on myself for some sound effects since Tobor is uh, shutting himself down again. So, uh, let's get into right away. How you doing? I hope you're doing great. Uh, I hope this week has been chock full of chock mool, if you're a Mayan, uh, or chock full of fun events, writing, whatever, you're, whatever. It's kind of getting into that season. I just realized today that it is still dark outside. It's getting to that time where it's dark outside when I'm starting work. Oh, motherfucker. Our, our uh, soundboard is dead. Well, well, I'm going to have to charge this up because we got to roast my bike, and I don't have that. All right. Tobor, you went to sleep at the most inopportune time, my good my good uh, robotic friend. So maybe we'll have to uh, 
get into that in a second. All right. Anyway, let's get into this week's show. I hope you're having a great time. This is the time where I've realized that, yes, in the mornings, it is now dark when uh, when I'm going to work. And, and for a little while there over the summer, I go to work pretty early. But it was still light out by the time I uh, was getting up, you know, 530 or so. It's uh, already light out. You're drinking your first cup of coffee, logging in and to work, uh, dreading the day, as it, as it were, already. Um, and then looking forward to be a productive human being. And now, boy, it's been getting darker and darker, staying darker later and later. And the crummy thing is that now, pretty soon, when I get off work, it's also going to be dark. So working dark to dark kind of sucks. But that leaves us the weekends to ride. And you know what? If you've got a cool weekend project or a cool weekend ride that you want to talk to old creative writing about, hit us up in the soundboards and on the skeg wires, and we'll get it out to you. Uh, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up at, uh, well, I'll give our creative writing. We're, I'll probably have to modify that email for our website. But anyway, yeah, just hit us up at Gmail. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the easiest way. That forwards to all my accounts. Uh, so we got a good show, hopefully, on tap for you tonight. We got the word of the week. We got a few announcements, a little bit of news, uh, a little bit of this and that. And then we're going to go into uh, our main topic. And I'm sorry we did last week's show. We were supposed to do, uh, over the summer, I made a pledge to some listeners to do serious stuff first and then wacky stuff second. I think we flipped it last week, so sorry about that. Um, I already talked about the fact we're not going to do any more uh, sexy emails on this show, so I can get that out of these notes. Okay, so let's start with the word of the week. Word of the week is uh, something we've been doing for a while. If this is your first time listening or if you listened last podcast, you could probably fill in the others around you because you heard it last time. Uh, but it's something we used to do when there was a bunch of people up in this garage. We do a word. And every single time somebody said the word, if they we, if they accidentally said the word, they would have to do a punishment. And the punishments range from uh, wearing one of the stupid disguises that I have here in the uh, garage to uh, smelling... A, a rancid item that had been left in a sealed jar for over the summer and uh, got opened only when the punishment was invoked by saying the word of the week. Uh, I pulled that one uh, in 2019. And I went and broke the jar, smashed it, burned it, because who knows what was growing inside of it. And I probably released a spore. I probably released coronavirus smashing that jar open. Uh, it wasn't a thing before, before that. But... Uh, yeah, I'll never do that to anybody again. So long story short. Um, so this week's word of the week is actually relevant to this week's show. And since it's just me by myself in here, I'm not going to say it and uh, make myself eat cat food or smell a jar full of rotten farts or whatever I had in there. Uh, I'm just going to say the word of the week and I vow not to say it again. Uh this week's word of the week is fairing. I cannot say that. That's the, <laughs> that's the topic of this week's show. This week's episode is going to be called My Fair Lady, and we're going to talk about fairing. So there's no way I cannot say the word of the week. Uh, but anyway, the word of the week this week will, will remain, uh, since the soundboard's dead anyway, and I can't, I'm not going to honk the horn on the uh, the Modus uh, W800 that we have over here and uh, blow my own eardrums out. I'll just say the word of the week this week. No no harm, no foul. But the word of the week is fairing. And the word fairing means an external metal or plastic structure. I don't think it should be limited to those two things. Um, added to increase streamlining and reduce drag, especially on a high-performance car, motorcycle, boat, or aircraft. 
And um, yeah, I want to talk about fairings. So what's the difference between a fairing and a cowl? Mm. This is where you tell me the answer. Like I can hear you. Uh-huh. That's what I call a cow. Uh-huh. And that's what I call a fairing. All right, I really need to take that stinger out of there, but that was a good <laughs> that was good timing. So what is the difference between a fairing and a cow? Well, to me, a cow is um, basically the, de- the definition of a cow is something that uh, has like a hood, like a um, an opening for your head. So a cowl is like a hood um, or on an airplane, it's an opening where the hole for like the engine or the uh, rotor to come through. So uh, motorcycles do have cowls, mostly around the headlights. And uh, I'm guessing planes still have cowls around the engines and jet engines have cowls around them and stuff. So it's really a fun, uh, fun terminology. And it goes all the way back to probably when planes were invented. I know a lot of motorcycle things are uh, horse related, you know, going back to um, equestrian origins and things like that. But uh, yeah, cowl I think has to do with, um, I'm pretty sure with planes. We'll see. But anyway, so fairings is any any other thing that's not a cowl. Things that go down the side of your bike, which I call cowls and cowl panels and stuff like that, I guess they're really called fairings. And I also call them fairings. But I usually call the things that streamline the air fairings. So I don't know. We're going to be talking about that and a whole much more tonight. So that's the word of the week. Uh, I wish Tobor hadn't gone to sleep and I wish our soundboard was working because now I need to make the word of the week official. What can I use? I can step on my dog. Uh, The word of the week is going to be official right now. I actually do have a crow call and a duck call over here, but I'm not going to use that either. So the word of the week is official. It is fairing and we're going to be talking all about that in a little bit. Quick, let's get into our next... uh, topics here show events that are coming up you need to know about this folks i am gonna clap this out uh show events first off next weekend october 8th wiggins has a knife show coming up we'll talk about that uh i'll try to get you the info for that by the end of the show um the ims schedule so ims is going to be happening this weekend uh october 1st through uh, the third i believe it is uh at texas motor speedway um, after that, it's going to be next weekend at uh, Tennessee at the Ward Agricultural Center in Lebanon. Right outside Nashville, I believe. That's October 8th. Uh, so Wiggins's Knife Show is also October 8th. Uh, and I'll, like I said, I'll find out where that is for you. Um, the There's a SoCal uh, Bike Fest happening at Lakes Elsinore Diamond Stadium. Also October 8th through 10th. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's like a big bike rally happening here in SoCal. I guess it's like the uh, antithesis of Born Free. I think Born Free is more like custom, the custom chopular crowd. And this is just a huge bike fest. I guess we're trying to do Sturgis out here in California now. It was like 2020. Everybody's trying to do like a bike fest. So we'll see. And it says the first annual. Listen, unless you've done it for two years in a row, it's not the annual. This is the inaugural. I think I think they... Uh, Whoever runs BikeFest should have me change their um, website. This is not the first annual. It's not annual unless it's happened for more than a year. So this is the inaugural 2021 SoCal BikeFest. Lake Elsinore Diamond Stadium. What do I have here? Tickets. uh, 
If you're interested, you can get your tickets. Uh, they start at 25 Taco Bell Chalupa Supremes, and they go all the way up to 666 Chalupa Supremes, which is pretty rock and roll. Uh, so you go get your tickets or your Chalupa Supremes today and uh, check that out. That is the SoCal Bike Fest. What else? Uh, oh, yeah. So, um, aside from that, we have Ducati and Kawasaki. They are coming out with some announcements. Actually, Ducati started today. The day is uh, September 30th. Ducati started today announcing their bikes. I think the uh, Multistrada V2 um, S was the one they announced today. It's got everything. It's got everything that every motorcycle has nowadays. Except uh, Harley-Davidson's ride height. I think... Harley Davidson, on our last show, excuse me, last show we uh, talked about the Pan America and how it's uh, supposedly the best-selling bike in North America. And it turns out it's probably true. Once I crunch the numbers, uh, those figures check out. (laughs) So we will see at the end of the year. I mean, that's when you you really got to add things up at the end of the year. But the claim that Harley made that it is the best-selling adventure touring bike Maybe true, maybe only for this quarter or only as of the printing of that press release. But right now, I I believe it is true. And uh, especially since everybody took a knock in 2020. All right. So, um, yeah, so the so basically that bike has that rider height adjust. And and so far, the Multistrada doesn't have that. And uh, I was commenting to one of my coworkers today. I don't know if I mentioned that, went into this bit of detail, but I was thinking, you know, it might be a while before because everybody else got all the IMUs and the like, the TFT touchscreen, you know, all the all those things, the cruise controls, the art, you know, uh, Harley calls it RDRS, but everybody else calls it like you know, active whatever, you know, suspension braking, this and that. Everybody has their own name for their stuff. Um, and it may be a while before other people are able to patent or get around the patents and the copyright to the actual, um, you know, and the patent infringements that they might by trying to make their own rider height adjustments. You know what I'm saying? So I know BMWs had ESA on their bikes for a long time. And I thought that that raised and lowered the suspension because they have level sensors on there. But I think those level sensors just detect the level of the bike when you load it up and adjust the, uh, adjust the suspension accordingly that way so yeah i don't 100 percent think that that is uh able to modulate and raise the bike up and down but the ducati uh multistrada v2s uh has a narrower seat apparently it's 11 pounds lighter than the last version or since uh from the 980 or something like that um Suppose and, and they have a lower seat, which supposedly is makes it easier to touch the ground for shorter riders. And we know that the BMWs forever, for a long, long time, decade, uh, decade and a half now at least, have had that lowering where you can buy a lower frame, lower seat. And it, it makes everything lower. Even the side stands are shorter, but you're losing ground clearance there. And so it doesn't raise back up when you start going. So everybody's got that. So I, I think that Harley-Davidson actually knocked them out of the park with that rider height adjust system that's available on the special. So that's kind of cool. Look for new bikes coming from Ducati every two weeks up until I think October uh, like 9th or 10th when the Desert X gets announced. And one of my coworkers was like, I wonder how the Desert X is going to do against Pan America. And I'm looking at the Desert X going, dude, this is more like a Super Tenere or like Africa Twin competitor, which those two things really don't compete with the uh, Pan America, to be honest. It's a 
Pan America is an adventure tour, adventure tour like the GS is, um, and like probably the Multistrada is, where you could throw dirt or street tires on it and get away with either one. Where this Desert X thing looks a little bit more like a rally bike, sort of like a KTM Adventure, um, like the Adventure R, like the 880 or uh, what is it, the 880? No, the uh, like the 690 Adventure R or like the 1290 Super Adventure. It looks a little bit more like that, or even Super Tenere, uh, you know, style. So we'll see. Uh, that's gonna come way, way down the line. So just keep your ears peeled if you're a Ducatisti. Um, every two weeks, they're gonna be throwing out something that's gonna be wetting your whistle. You and Jensen Beeler, sit out there and stroke your bones over the new Ducatis. Uh, Kawasaki also next week is supposed to announce, I think, six new models. So keep your eyes open for that. And your ears. Uh, news. Yeah, we, we won't get to the news yet. So, finally, to round out the um, events, creative writing-wise and, and everything else, uh, weekend rides, man. Me and Wiggins have been doing weekend rides for the last two weekends. This last week, uh, we went to this little place called the Revved Up Cafe uh, in Claremont. Super cool place. Very, It's a motorcycle cafe, basically. It's got a bunch of raceway and speedway pictures. It's got a DRZ 400 all kitted out inside. It's got a bunch of classic bikes right in the front window. Uh, Rossi helmet on the wall. A bunch of great, great speedway pics from all the raceways around the country that are no longer, or some of them still are. But it's a fabulous place. Really... Uh, really good food and really good coffee and a really good price so if you're if you're all about it check out revved up uh and it's out in claremont and uh, we went there last uh that was a couple weekends ago this last weekend we went to the rock inn uh out here in the mountains by santa clarita and a fabulous ride uh got out on uh, the vfr because i'm about to turn that baby in <laughs> and um, just have never properly ripped that thing through the canyons, actually, uh, ever. Used it for, um, if you don't know the story behind the VFR, uh, the mo- uh, motorcycle guys over at, um, at formerly Loud Pipes podcast, I don't think they did the show anymore, but they do a thing every year called the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge where a whole bunch of motorcycle podcasts get together and... Uh, ride for mileage basically i was doing the first year or two on spamala my um my 250 yamaha little little 250 i got and uh it's an old 1980 it's still it still you know runs like it did uh in 1987 <laughs> when it was seven years old but uh you know cracking miles on that thing is pretty intense and so listeners said hey do you want to uh, borrow my VFR, I've got five of them, and I think at the time he had four or five. Now I think he's down to one, and then the one I have here. So I've had it forever. I had it since 2017, I believe. And so is it time to give it back? Sure. So uh, I finally, out of after all these years, I've used it on the MPC for like, I used it for 17 and 18, or 18 and 19. Yeah, he gave it to me in 17. So I used it for 18 and 19. Obviously, it didn't happen in 20. And then here in 21... I was kind of hacking on it, so I used my um, my other Yamaha to do the challenge this year. So, although I've never really wrapped on it through the twisties and never never took it up to canyons, when we rode to the Rock Inn, that's pretty much all there is to get there. So this is really the first time I had it out in the canyons, and I gotta say, for such a awesome commuter bike as it has been over the last few years, um, that uh, Paul's been letting me borrow it. 
It is fabulous on the highway. This thing just loves to cruise at, I mean, it could cruise at like 95 all day. Um, allegedly, I've never done that. But um, I know that it allegedly could also get up, you know, into the uh, triple digits pretty easy and uh, pretty uh, pretty easily and stay there pretty easily if it wanted to. Although I think you can just see the gas meter going down. But anyway, rip through the canyons on that thing finally, uh, very carefully by the way, it's not my bike and I don't want to, you know, huck it and be a hooligan through the canyons, but it's a really good, I, I forgot this thing could turn. I was waiting for the pegs to scrape because last few, uh, last couple of years I've owned my SCR. Um, it's a quote scrambler and it, the pegs drag. It's basically a Harley Sportster and the pegs drag like right away and I hate it. Like I can't even, I feel like I can starting to turn, just starting to turn when the pegs start to drag. So I'm like, oh, and I'm leaning over on this thing and I'm about to kind of like take a corner a little wide and I'm slowing down and it keeps leaning. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm on this bike now. And man, what a wonderful ride Wiggins and I had. He was on his RC51 and uh, I got to tell you, even Wiggins is jealous of the pipe that you have on this ball. So um, fabulous ride out there. If you want to hook up with me and Wiggins this weekend, I think we're going apple picking. So I probably won't be around. But um, if you want to go for a ride, hit up the old Junkmeister creative writing podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram or even our Facebook. Uh, whoa. What was that? Tobor? Did you, is that you snoring? Uh, we are not 100%. Um, on all the socials all the time, you know, we don't have, uh, I'll get around to it, but I'll definitely make sure that I check before we do uh, a ride. I got some audio going on here. It is, ho- it's getting toward Halloween. Oh my God. I told Miranda Young, our, our guest last year, who is our um, uh, paranormal expert. I told her every year, like right around this time, crap starts to happen in the studio and it's happening right now to our audio. I don't know what that sound was. I'm touching nothing. I just getting some uh, feedback there. So anyway, yeah, if you want to ride with me and Wiggins, hit us up on our email, uh, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Or like I said, hit us up in the DMs on um, Instagram and make sure all these wires are connected. Yeah, they're good. Tobor, you're down. Yep, Tobor is off. I don't know what that could be. Anyway, we're getting creepy up in here, y'all. So hit us up. You want to go for a weekend ride? Also, uh, a couple more things here before we get into the news. I, anybody ever do this? I want to know. I was out walking, uh, well, I was riding my bike, but I was walking back to the bike the other day and I see this guy, nice, nice that the music stops right there. I was like, gets intense. Hey, listen, I was walking down the street, (laughs) walking down the street the other day and I love kids. You know, I love my kids. I feel like kids and dogs, I get them, you know, like I, I'm a kid person, dog person, adults, you know, you can fuck off or whatever, but I just love seeing little kids and especially when they see the motorcycles and they're all happy. So I was, I was walking back to my motorcycle. There's this dad pushing this little kid down the street in a stroller, a little, little baby. And I was like, Hey, nice baby. And like immediately I was like, Oh, that felt kind of weird. Nice baby. Well, it works. Nice baby. And then I was like, I shouldn't have followed. I should have just left it at that and kept walking and got on the bike and had a good day. But I just felt dumb. I'm just one of those people that has to t- keep talking if, like, I'm nervous and, like, say something. So I said that, and I was like, oh, God. Ugh. And I was like, where'd you get it? You ever do that? Like, this is the dumbest. Anyway, 
Long story short, uh, I quickly just got, I, I probably have ruined motorcycles for that family for now on. So here I was hoping to make a little kid stoked by seeing a motorcycle. Then I start it and it's all loud. He's crying. Anyway, it's bad, bad scene. Uh, other things popping up here. Pop culture. I want to talk about this real quick, too. This is a little off topic, but a uh, little pop culture stuff going on right now, just to show you I'm paying attention to what's going on, right? I was watching... This is our... This is a... Uh, by this time, it's a couple weeks ago now, and I don't know what's going to happen by the time this episode goes out, but right now, there's a girl missing in the States, and her name is Gabby Petito, and um, she went missing in... I believe it was Wyoming, and... Um, yeah, so what happened was she was with her boyfriend. They're traveling across the country from, I think, it was either Florida or New York. I'm kind of confused about where they're at. I think they started in Florida, they're, but they're both originally from New York. They moved to Florida. Why would you do, you know, why would you do that? And then they were traveling across country in a Sprinter van. And um, she, he returned home September 11th, I think it was, and she wasn't with him. So she's missing. And... This is already a couple weeks old now And more things have surfaced But when I first wrote these notes These show notes They had literally just released the Utah body cam footage And um, There was a whole bunch of contradictory stuff Coming out And uh, originally The Utah body cam footage was very telling to me She was um, She was crying And she was saying it was her fault And he seemed like a really nice guy And he was like You know He he was very cooperative. He had scratches all over him, and he said that she had hit him, and the van like jerked, and they hit the uh, the the officer pulled him over because they were driving, kind of weaving back and forth, and then eventually the van pulled and hit the curb, and then um, they pulled over, and when they got him out, she admitted that she was hitting him, and it was hitting his arm, and it like pulled his arm and hit the jerked him over to hit the curb, um, and. What happened was the the body cam footage is I watched all hour and twenty minutes of it. The officer talked to her and to him, and now the off now the Utah is getting like scrutinized for this. But I think actually from a from a outside perspective and from somebody that used to be uh, a counselor, I used to be a behavioral counselor to people that were in crisis. This is actually was actually pretty good. I thought the way they handled it, and maybe that's me being naive. But um, it's just everybody's saying the cops didn't do their job. Why send a cop to do this, you know, a counselor's job and this and that? Well, cops have to get trained somewhat on that, I think. And cops are frontline counselors a lot of times. And I think what they did was pretty good. Brian, uh, the guy, Brian Laundrie, who's the boyfriend, was even joked at one point with the guy because uh, they resolved it. They were, They both said the same thing. The, the girl was feeling a little anxious. She's been getting upset with him lately. Uh, little things over, you know, and I can attest to this. You're in, you're on vacation with somebody. It starts out great. Or maybe it starts out rotten and it ends great. Or maybe it starts out great and ends rotten. Little things can drive you mad. And when you're stuck with people, whether it's riding with them on the weekend uh, for a camping trip, a moto event, you know, hell, even just being in the same car with family members for a two-hour ride down to another city can drive you nuts sometimes, right? So I get it. They've been cooped up in the camper for a while, and they're both a little tense, and things have been getting a little more downhill. That's what it sounded like. 
this guy, this guy sounded pretty sincere. The Brian Laundry boyfriend guy. He, at one point, he they were saying, you know, what we need to do is we need to split you guys up, which was the right decision. That's what I would have done too. Even if I wasn't a cop, I would have suggested that they split up, right? But the police said, you know, in Utah, anything, anytime you admit to uh, hitting someone, and there was a nine one one call that said a, a woman was attacking uh, a guy. And that he locked himself in the car and she was trying to climb in the, the window or the pa- the driver's side door because it wasn't locked. And they said that too. They said, yeah, that, that did happen. Then there was a contra- – well, so we'll get to the – and there was another contradictory um, phone call that came in later that said they saw a guy slapping a girl walking up and down the street. So I don't know if there was two different 911 calls, but it's just like a sunset. You see one thing, another person sees the another thing, and you guys are both looking at the same sunset or looking at the same painting, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if there was two contradictory phone calls or if they just reported it wrong when they first uh, were reporting on the news. But the caller, I, I listened to that too, and, and I swear one the first caller said that, yeah, the guy was in the car trying to... And there was a lady slapping him and clawing him. And when they pulled over these couple in Utah, he did have scratch marks on his arm. He had scratch marks on his face from her phone and her rings hitting him and her keys or something. Uh, I think it was her phone and your rings. And she grabbed his arm and his arm was all red. She didn't have any marks on her. So I don't know. It was consistent with the first caller that said that the lady was mad and attacking the guy and slapping him. And he said that he did put his hands out to kind of like block her hits. And like if he, if he, if he like hit her, he didn't mean to. He's just trying to like get her away and like push her away from him. So I think there was physical contact between them, but it sounds like he was pushing her, right? So then... Um, you know, the, the cops did this. They said, listen, so she is the attackee in this case, the attacker, and you're the victim in this case based on Utah law. And I think that's fair. But most times the physical abusers are men. And so most of the uh, facilities that they had on hand was that they could take her somewhere and get her a hotel, but not guys. They just usually don't do this for guys. So the the, the, the shelter was for women, battered women. They can't take him there because it's not co-ed. And I, I understand that fully. Um, at the same time, he was saying, this is what the boyfriend said. Hey, can I like, can I try and grab your radio right now and you can arrest me and take, because they're like, we're going to have to take her to jail if we can't find something for her. And they, he said, can I take your radio and you can take me to jail? And the guy's like, dude, come on. He's like, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I mean, he sounded so sincere and he said he didn't want her to be in trouble. He said he didn't want her to have anything on her record. He sounded like a really nice guy. And so this was before... I think her body was found that I wrote these notes or, or a little bit before uh, some other stuff came out. So I'm not 100% sure what happened here, but I do know that from the body cam footage, she looked pretty sincere and he looked like he really did care about her not getting in trouble. He didn't want her to have anything on her record. He wanted her to be squeaky clean, right? So he was like joking around. He was asking if he can just camp in the thing. And the guy's like, yeah, but you got to walk down to city hall tomorrow. So if you camp out here in the wilderness, how are you going to get 30 miles into town or eight miles into town, whatever it was? He's like, you got to be there by 10 o'clock to drop your charges because he didn't want to press charges either. So make a long story short, the cops finally said, listen, she can stay in the van tonight and you, we can, we can't actually get you a hotel, um, under this, like, uh, 
abuse law or whatever it is. So they, they make some arrangements for him. They take him to town. I watched the whole video. They talked to both of them. The guy gave him a call. He said, listen, we can't arrest. You know, the, the like officer in charge was giving the arresting officer the choice. I think they made a good choice. He told him, separate for the night. Neither of you has to go to jail in this case. And I think it was probably good for him to not take him to jail. She didn't want to be separated from him. And now that more things are coming out and people are like really upset about this and about the cops intervening and they should have like given her, you know, more support. Listen, if you were there and you watched that video, they probably did exactly what you would have done at that point in time, not knowing that she's going to end up dead. Right. So, uh, oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. If you if you if I didn't mention it, this uh, woman has been found in uh, in Wyoming and and they've ruled the case a homicide so they don't they haven't said yet why they are ruling it a homicide like I'm sure that they found uh, must have found something on her person that um, convinced the coroner that it was a homicide but yeah long story short um, if it, I I saw this and this was before they ruled her at a homicide and things like that this body cam footage was like wow they the cops did the right thing in my mind. Now that she's dead, everyone's saying they're doing the wrong thing. But I dare you to look at it and say that you probably would have reacted the same way and not wanted to get either of them in trouble, right? So that's that. Now, let me see. So there was a contradictory 911 call. Now, as of today, I just was watching the news and Dog the Bounty Hunter's looking for him and he's in another part of the park and all that fun stuff. And it's like, wow, this thing has really spiraled out of control. And honestly, why would you run? if you don't have anything to do with it, right? So I'm kind of second guessing most of the, uh, most of the things I was thinking about the first time when I, when I wrote these notes a couple weeks ago, the circumstances were a lot different. But yeah, if you've been paying attention to this case or anything, uh, let me know, uh, let us weigh in and, and tell us what you think. Uh, but I did see, this is my, this is how to tie it, what made me want to tie it into the show. When they had them pulled over in Moab, I saw two groups of motorcyclists go by uh, separate bikes. They both looked like they were camping. It looked like a husband and a wife. That way you can separate yourself from your hubs. You know, you can go get some time. They did. I mean, they did separate themselves. I don't want to talk why I'm still talking about it. But if you're uncomfortable, get the hell out of there, right? Take off on your motorcycle. It's more of a reason for you to ride if you are a passenger on the back um, of your boyfriend or girlfriend's bike. Uh, get off that baby and get your own bike and start riding, right? Or husband's or wife's bike, whatever whatever you're the passenger on the back of. Get out there and ride your own ride. And that way when you guys get in a fight, you can bug out for a couple days and come back and maybe clear things up. All right, moving on. That's enough of that. Uh, moving on to the second pop culture bit in this week that I just really can't believe. Uh, the Devious Licks, man. Devious Licks, if you have, if you live under a rock, is a trend that's probably dying right now because by the time it hits the news, it's usually dead. But it's where kids are stealing stuff or were stealing stuff from public uh, school bathrooms, um, everything from soap dispensers. They were doing vandalisms, all this crazy stuff. I want to know if Devious Licks was motorcycle-centric, like a motorcycle-centric TikTok trend, what would the riders be stealing? Like, what what thing would you steal? Like, in, in the TikToks, they were stealing a lot of, like, soap, uh, soap machines out of the bathrooms and toilet paper and, I don't know, just anything they could get out of there. Uh, but if it was a motorcycle theme, 
what would you be stealing? And don't say bikes, that's not very original. Uh, there's got to be something else that we could steal, like, I don't know, remove from flight keychain tags or something. Uh, or Wheel Nerd stickers from, <laughs> from somewhere. But that, and where would it take place? Like, this, the stage for this trend was the uh, school bathrooms. So where would this happen? Would it happen at bike shows? Would it happen at racetracks? Would it be to go steal, like, I don't know. I don't want to give anybody ideas, but would it be able, would be able to go to the, the uh, pits at, like, Moto America and steal, like, a rider's swag or, like, steal all their pens so they can't do autographs? Uh, I don't know. Just your thoughts on your thoughts on this little TikTok trend. Devious licks. I don't know. We could call it devious rips or something. And it's, and it's uh, rider-based. Give us a think about it. Email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. And let us know, what would your devious lick be if you were to start a trend on TikTok for motorcyclists? Vandalizing, stealing, I don't care what you do. It's your life. You live it how you want to. You steal what you want to. But you gotta, you got to email us and tell us. What would it be? Where, where would it be happening? And make it creative. Don't just... I would steal from a bathroom also because I'm uncreative and I would steal the same stuff a kid stole because I am an uncreative motorcycle dude. No, don't do that. Anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with some more news. You're going to want to stick around for some of this and uh, go eat a bag of flaming hot sardines. We'll be right back with uh, creative writing. Motor Stinkle Pod Kinkle. To motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clobman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clobman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Clobman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. Clobman's Pickles, it truly is the only pickle for motorcyclists. Maybe bicyclists too someday if they take my suggestions over there, the old Clobman Gherkin factory. All right, everybody, this is segment two, the news. I should have took some of this time that I was over there jerking off to motorcycle porn to plug in my stupid uh, sound effect board here. Are you really dead, my friend? You really are. Oh, yeah, God. Not only are you dead, you're making noises at me. Charge me. It's like a kid that needs food. All right, listen, this is our news segment. And I got some news for you. I'm going to slap you in the face with some fantastic motorcycle news. And you already know this if you live uh, anywhere that's got the internet. But I just wanted to remind you, hey, hey, peeps, by the time you're hearing this, because it's going to be late at night when this thing goes out, 
By the time you're hearing this, listen up. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We got uh, lane filtering is legal beginning, well, legally begins. It was legal back in March, but it legally begins. The practice is now legal. October 1st in Montana, baby. That's today if you're listening today. Go back in time and listen on the first, and it'll be today again. Anyway, man, Montana may not be uh, chock full. You may not think, hey, Montana ranks right up there with uh, Manila, Philippines, uh, Hong Kong, and uh, San Francisco with traffic, right? So it may not be chock full of traffic like the cities of San Francisco or Atlanta, but it does have one of the highest per capita motorcycle registration figures in the country, in America. They got a lot of motorcycles up there per person. Each person is given a motorcycle, I think, when you're born. Uh, Montana State Legislature House Bill uh, 9422. Uh, Anyway, uh, the legislation says, hey, man, we got all these motorcyclists up here. And even though we may not have a lot of traffic, there's still Billings and uh, what else is up there? Uh, Billings and Terre Haute. (laughs) Uh, That's not right. It's uh, Savannah. Savannah, Montana or Hannah, Montana. I think that's the city. Uh, they passed a, a bill back in March 2021, this year, baby, that allows filtering when traffic is going 10 miles an hour le- or less. So if you're in slower stop traffic, you can filter. Motorcycles can't exceed 20 miles an hour, so that's still keeping you pretty slow, and that's good. That's fine. That's a good speed to split at. When when thing, when you're going through two things that are going zero, 20 miles an hour feels fast if it's a real skinny lane. And probably I'm guessing that 97% of motorcycles in Montana is going to be Harleys anyway, so you want to want to take it slow. You don't want to bang your bags on anyone's uh, horse trailer. They'll kick your ass. But anyway, if traffic is going 10 miles an hour or slower, you may filter at a speed not to exceed 20 miles an hour in the same lane, in the same direction of travel. And I think that's awesome. What it's gonna do is hopefully it'll keep those motorcycles and bikers from being rear-ended and stop traffic or at stoplights. You know, there's if you are going through the an urban center, uh, which in um, is a suburban center or even rural center here in California, that's an urban center in Montana, but uh, yeah, you know, there's still stoplights and fatalities still happen in the smallest of places. So hopefully you guys are filtering through to the front at stoplights. Hopefully when it gets real muggy and hot there in Montana, it'll keep the wind blowing across you since motorcycles don't have air conditioning yet. And uh, hopefully it'll keep you from stopping in between cars and getting smashed into. I hope there's no road rage and I hope people understand. And there will be road rage and there will be some misunderstanding because it's a new thing. You ever try to flip your partner over? Shove a boot up their ass while you're doing it, while you're making love? When you're riding boots? Yeah, it's not good. Not good the first time. But if they if you keep doing it, even against their will, or if they still or if they eventually like it, which is how traffic is when you're talking about splitting lanes. It's like an unwilling boot up the butt. Uh, they either learn to deal with it or they finally just decide they're okay with it and uh, they let you it, it just happen you just you're you're one happy rider after that so I hope that uh, you're the boot up Montana's butt during uh, intimate times and I hope actually this is this is the serious part I really wrote this down I should just keep to the script hopefully it'll keep you from being rear-ended at stoplights and in traffic and it also strengthens the call for more biker friendly legislation right? As drivers continue to be distracted 
by their surroundings. And I've seen people distracted by everything from text, texting as the biggest one. Now that cannabis laws are a little bit less strict, people are driving drunk still. You know, that still happens. So people are driving high now too. So at least you don't get sloppy driving, but you do get like, you know, people driving at seven miles an hour into the back of people. Uh, and also sunlight even. With the, with the daylight, I just mentioned at the beginning of the show that the daytime changes. Man, I'll tell you, that afternoon sun and the morning sun here in California, since uh, since we got to see it uh, commuting in the mornings, right in our eyeballs, man, that's harsh stuff. And, you know, there's one or two times where some a car I almost didn't see coming into my lane because I had the sun right in my eyes, and they couldn't see me probably either. So uh, hopefully being able to uh, be between, between cars on the side of them will keep you from being between cars flat and smash behind them. All right. Good job, Montana. House Bill 4792. All right. This is a little bit of news that did not make it from last show, but I have it right here. Uh, this is from New Atlas. The uh, I think they call this SARPS. SART. Damn it. I wish I could remember. I think it's SART. It stands for Smart Anti-Rollover Trailers. And uh, actually, I probably just scroll down through here and I can see the acronym somewhere. It's TARS, SART. I said, what, I have dyslexia? I think it's SRAT. Oh, it's TARS. TARS, baby. You hear about this? I know a lot of uh, the people that listen to this podcast drive big trucks and uh, or at least work on big trucks. It's so weird how motorcycles and big trucks go hand in hand. You spend your whole day in a, you know, 50,000 pound vehicle and then you jump on a few hundred pound vehicle to get home and uh, you spend all day in this enormous cab that you could basically live in and you hop on this tiny basically broomstick of speed. So here's what the, here's what it is. So hopefully you guys are interested in some of this. This is something I learned uh, also at work that um, did you know, did you know folks that big trucks tip over more often than you might expect and that over 400 American deaths per year are the direct result of rollover accidents, including uh, involving class eight rigs. That's more people than roofers, airline pilots, loggers, garbage men, and oil derrick workers combined. That's literally what this article on New Atlas says. That is a quote from New Atlas. That's more deaths than roofers, airline pilots, loggers, garbage men, and oil derrick workers combined. 400, which is kind of small. I mean, I figured, I mean, I know not planes crash every day, but planes rarely crash, actually. So that's, I get. Roofers, you figure they're always drunk falling off. Maybe they're just drunk and, like, limber. And since they're drunk, they ragdoll off the roof and they don't get hurt because, like, supposedly when you're falling, you're loose, you don't get hurt. So maybe that one makes sense. Loggers, garbage men, and oil derrick workers three of the most dangerous jobs in the world. Garbage men, they're picking up literal trash. They're picking up your refuse, man. Um, and they don't die. I would probably die of a staph infection my se- second day on the job because I refuse to wear gloves. But uh, anyway, so 400 people a year, American. So triple that in the outback where people drive like maniacs. You watch Mad Max. You know how people drive out there. Um, they're rolling big trucks over all the time, giant monster truck wheels on them. Um, but basically 9,000 injuries a year also. So this is crazy. So this TARS system is uh, coming out, and it's the tractor anti-roll system, and it hooks on the uh, 
Well, it's, it doesn't hook on. It's like this new fifth wheel thing. And I think some of the guys from, I, I, I knew this back three weeks ago when I wrote these freaking notes, but I should, should have talked about it then. Uh, I forgot most of them, but I think it's one of the guys from, he was a designer at SpaceX and a couple other guys who are truckers. Um, and as, as you know, Tesla, SpaceX and Tesla being the same uh, and, uh, owner, you know, and same, uh, same founder, uh, Tesla's getting into the automate, uh, electric semi-truck and autonomous semi-truck market, which is actually kind of growing right now in the States behind the scenes. And uh, so th- they worked at SpaceX, I think the guys that helped design this thing, probably when they were doing the Tesla semis. And they uh, took those stats figured out a way to jettison the trailer as it's tipping before the rig actually tips over, thus destroying more property. You come and have somebody flip your rig back up. Now all the merchandise inside, you better not have your uh, Samsung TVs and your uh, your Teslas inside, heaven forbid. But it keeps the rig and the driver from being flipped over. And sometimes this happens on bridges. I've seen, I see this a lot on bridges. Everything's fine and cool. The wind is hitting the ground. The ground's breaking up the wind a little bit. I mean, the, the ground can be one of those places where wind is devastating to trucks. But then once you get over a bridge, there's no protection. There's no ground effect happening. There's no no buffeting that wind. Any vegetation, trees, nothing to break up that ground. And when you go over a bridge, man, you're getting hit uh, above and below. The wind's just howling. And so I've seen a lot of trucks actually tipped over right after bridges as if they started getting hit while they're crossing the bridge so hard they couldn't recover and right as the bridge ends they finally tipped and fell over and luckily they didn't flip off the bridge but you can imagine what would happen to a trucker on one of those crazy mountain roads or if there was just a hillside or an incline down one side and the wind's coming down the hill or they're on a freaking bridge that whole trailer is going over man that whole trailer is going over the median into oncoming traffic or something if it's blowing from the other side, you know, tipping you over toward the median and you can't control it. So this tar system is breaks off the trailer, jettisons the uh, the fifth wheel. And I seen on California Motorcyclist Down, it's an Instagram account out here, a few, uh, and on Reddit and YouTube, a few bikers getting smashed few of them not surviving by big rigs they just don't see you or they tip over and get in an accident and they can't help that so this jettison system ought to be good to all you bikers out there that are truckers uh let me know email us uh, or leave it down in the uh the dms on instagram uh send nudes and also send oh geez that was a terrible time for the music to stop <laughs> Send nudes or send pictures of this jettison system on your rig and let us know, hey, I drive a truck, and thanks, Junk, I'll be sure not to smash a biker now because of this new TAR system. And now we can get into our main topic of the show. The music changed a little bit early, but that's okay. I I yacked a little bit late. So here we go, segment three. We're going to be talking about fairings, and that brings us, this is the uh, title segment of the show, My Fair Lady. So we're going to be talking about the history of fairings, fixed fairings versus fork-mounted fairings, pros and cons of fairings, all this great stuff. And uh, speaking of fairings, and also speaking of um, speaking of things that uh, is sort of news, I, I'm not really talking about it this week. Uh, I'll, I'll probably go into depth on the next show. But you guys seen the new? Um, I think I already talked about how uh, a couple weeks ago how the uh, the 
GSX S1000 was what the Katana was in 2020. It was GSX S1000, like RQ was the model code. And it was basically a GSX S1000 based on the old Katana, right? A little bit of 2020 body style to it. Well, then the S1000, uh, GSX S1000 came out this year. And if you look at that front end, they got rid of the Suzuki front end. They got one of those ugly Yamaha front ends on there where it's just like a bunch of LED headlights clapped onto the front of the thing. But the angle of the dangle on the front does kind of slam like the Katana did. Like I could see how it takes some of the styling from the lines of the Katana, even though none of the bodywork matches the Katana, not even their butt. The Katana had this weird bulky butt. The GSX-S 1000 has like a nice streamlined skinny butt. And, uh, but this angle of the, the front like cowl and, and headlight enclosure is similar to the Katana. Like they just took a Katana, chopped the front of the Katana off. Well, have you seen the news? Because Suzuki just came out with a uh, GSX S1000 GT and GT Plus, or if you're in Canada, GTA, because Canada always loves to go and use the freaking model numbers instead of the market names for this stuff. So I think I saw that with the, the uh, C90 Boss one year. They had it as the C90 BA or something, and I was like, oh, God dang it. They still call it the Boss or plus or something here in the states i don't know they're all suzuki canada totally separate entity just just look it up sometime but so they're going to call it the gta there we're going to call it the gt plus here and as far as the rest of north america i don't know we'll go ask mexico and paraguay and everything i don't know whatever the countries are in north america belize um panama i don't know costa rica Cuba. I mean, Cuba is technically North America. Jamaica. We'll see what they call it in these other countries, right? So um, all I know is it's GT Plus on the American website. And speaking of Yamaha with the S1000 taking a Yamaha front end and slapping it in a Katana, I think the uh, the GSX S1000 GT and GT Plus straight up took... I thought it looked like the Nikon at first. Well, I was like, you know, this looks like the Nikon front end with some R1 headlights shoved on it. Because it is, speaking of fairings, and speaking of our fairing uh, uh, episode now, this is a bike I'll probably be talking about in coming episodes. But I thought it fit the bill pretty good for tonight's topics because it's got this crazy little sport touring front fairing on it. But it definitely looks like they raided Yamaha's um, cutting board for all this stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Go check it out. The Suzuki GSX S1000 GT and GTA or GT Plus, depending on what country you're in. Tell me what you think about it, and tell me if you think they ripped off Yamaha. Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby, though, if that's what you were thinking. Crider's leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Crider's is dedicated to rider safety and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin. Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. 
were located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory, Crider's Leathers. Creative Writing is brought to you by Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's for long-distance truckers and motorcyclists on a long road trip. Millman's features enriched cocaine and skink pheromones. Millman's, I killed a ninja. Millman's Chocolate Chips. Millman's? Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about Millman's and say anything about it, but I'm just going to say I hope you're not on hallucinogenics while you're eating the Millman's chocolate chips, folks. Uh, so let's continue with our fairing um, conversation here. Speaking of fairings, they we're going to start at the front. They go to the they go to the rear. They're great things to have. And one of the very first fairings, I was looking this up. Uh, I was trying to find out what the very first fairing was. And when I looked it up on Wikipedia, of course, that's where you know you go for all your information besides YouTube. It was said uh, the very first fairing was the BMW R100GS. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was the BMW R100RS or something like that from um, 1977 or something like that. Wait, right here. Motorcycle fairing. The very One of the very first fairings in the 20th century was... Uh, the mass-produced, actually, was the BMW R100RS... Uh, in 1976 and I'm going that can't be right I've seen uh, fairings on bikes Here's a, there's a picture of a Royal Enfield with the fairing on it and that thing's got to be from like 1950 well it could have been from 1976 they all even up until the 2000s they looked there they're from 1950 but you know I started researching it and I thought could that be true is this another uh <laughs> Is this something else that I don't believe that's actually true? Like the Harley Davidson Pan America thing? Well, I know that I'd seen fairings on motorcycles all the way back to the 20s. And it turns out that a lot of cars and a lot of bikes did use fairings way back. And if you think of uh, the very first Isle of Mans, uh, shortly after that, people started racing um, high speed cars. This is pre, this is like right around World War, between World War One and World War, T- War Two. Um, the Art Deco and Big Fairing thing, if you go look at some of the auto unions from that back then, the literally the jets of the time and a lot of the cars at the time were being developed with aerodynamics was like this brand new crazy thing and fairings was it. And so a lot of the, some of the bikes from the 20s, as early as the 20s had fairings and um, they were called dustbin fairings because they were like these huge, they look like big huge uh, trash cans on the front of the, the bikes. Um, and they look like torpedoes or bullets. They look like something you would write out at Bonneville nowadays. Only they were racing around the Isle of Man. Um, back when racing there first started, they were racing around Silverstone. You know, they're racing all over the place where they had road races. And they eventually, uh, the FIM eventually banned them. So that was a race fairing. So I guess technically the first mass-produced fairing may have been on BMW in 1977. Um, the FIM race bikes got their fairings um, banned because of the crosswinds and if you think of you know uh, that's you're, you're you're riding around on a huge sail or a streamliner they're made to go straight well you start turning or you get sideways a little bit in a turn and you catch a wind and it flicks you the other way and then you catch wind and it just can make uh, it could make you like a fletching on an arrow where you fly straighter you eventually straighten out or it could do the opposite where it catches you like (coughs) pardon me COVID catches like a sail 
And on, on a lot of these open road courses, especially the Isle of Man and stuff, when you're flying around, crosswinds can come and just hit you. And so eventually the FIM banned fairings over the front wheel. I think it wasn't until the 50s that they did that. Um, so after the 50s, you'll see bikes with, I think uh, BMW had one called a Dolphin in the 60s. And it kind of looked like a, a modern day GS front end with a beak out there on it and, and a, a dolphin nose and this big fat blubby uh, fairing still around the rider and around the engine. And um, it was basically so that the front wheel wasn't encapsulated as well in this fairing. Um, and the fairing, you couldn't see the riders from the sides. I mean, these these old fairings, you like were inside of it. You know, you're inside this cockpit almost and just your wheel hanging out the very bottom. Um, eventually they made it so that the rider had to be seen from the side. The wheel has to be exposed. So that's the modern day where the modern day sport bike fairing comes where it goes like a bullet around the headlight area and then curves back behind the wheel and down in front of the body. Um, that, that design is still in effect today. And FIM rules to keep riders safer because of crosswinds or, or exposing this bike to other out-of-control aerodynamic forces was the reasoning for that. So fast forward, we go to, uh, I was reading this article from this, I looked up a newspaper snipping from the 60s, I think it was 66 or 60, 67 I think it was, or 68. And it was talking about the popularity of fairings in Europe for sport touring. And I thought, well, that's weird. Um, there's something from the 60s right there. How could the 77 BMW be the first, uh, you know, mass-produced fairing? Um, and so I start reading it. It's talking about in Europe how the big craze is fairings for sport touring. And then I start reading down further, and it says the Vetter... I don't want to say Windjammer. It just said a Vetter fairing. So then I look up the history of Vetter. And guess what? Vetter on their website, craigvetter.com, it's got a whole history of the fairings and a whole history of the development. And there are some of the fairings that I saw when I was looking at this article from 67. Uh, so it turns out that he started making his uh, the very first Vetter fairings in uh, October of 1966, uh, from 66 to 78. Um, and then I guess he sold the company to his, um, uh, he sold Vetter Fairing Company to my banker in 1978 and he put it into bankruptcy in 83. So it didn't last very long under someone else with no passion apparently, but he was responsible. Craig Vetter and his buddies were responsible for the very first fairings, uh, being put out there. So from 66 to 78, uh, the very first Vetter Fairings were out there. And that's what I was seeing on that um, that uh, website, uh, or not the website, the uh, news article from 60, I think it was 68. So, um, yeah, he popularized it. It came on a lot of Kawasaki's. Kawasaki, Kawasaki actually rebranded the Vetter fairing from the 70s into like 79 or into the early 80s. They rebranded the Vetter fairings and just put Kawasaki and painted it with their paint job on it. Um, I know the Goldwings also had Vetter fairings, and I'm looking at a picture of a Goldwing right now with the Vetter fairing on it, but I am not 100% sure that Goldwing, um, I don't think that they, I don't think Honda made their own fairing for a while. I think they just used Vetter fairings on the first few Goldwings. The very first Goldwings were naked bikes. They were giant CB, uh, you know, 1000s basically. Um, 
or CBX. They were, they were the predecessor to the CBX, right? And so they were... Um, they were naked till the veterinarian came along. Uh, long story short, and I think in 1974 to 79, uh, they had one called like the uh, Harley Davidson Liberator or something like that. That had like you know like 18 headlights on the front. It looked like a Harley Davidson turning into a, a Mods versus Rockers Vespa. But a lot of people were using the Vetter fairings, and there's a picture of of uh, Vetter and his friends riding through. Illinois, I believe it is. It says here, Champaign, Illinois, in the snow in uh, February of 67. And it says on the caption that about 10 better fairings were in existence as of 67. So one year, is that right? Oh, no, October of 66 to February of 67. So just a few months into production, they've already got 10 made right out of his basement and they're already catching on in Cycle World and, and to got to add in Cycle World, catching on in Europe by, uh, you know, 70, 67 and 68 there. Um, so they make this fetter, uh, fairing called the Windjammer, um, and they have a whole bunch of other designs too. But Kawasaki, if you ever watch the print, like Purple Rain, Prince's Yamaha, I believe he has a Yamaha in that. Um, the Yamaha has a Vetter fairing on it. Kawasaki Cop Bikes, I believe, used uh, the Vetter style fairings. Yamaha Goldwings, Harley Davidsons. Um, they they start making universal fairings for bikes from 250 to 2 million cc, right? And uh, I forget which one was the 2 million cc. But long story short. They're rocking and rolling, and people start to catch on, and people this becomes a craze in Europe, you know, and people start to uh, enjoy riding around with fairings. So, one of the most iconic bikes for having a fairing, we we uh, bagged on Nokomoto last week, even though they said nothing wrong about it, was the um, was the is the Harley Davidson Batwing fairing, one of the most iconic fairings out there, and I would argue that the Moto Guzzi Flying Fortress uh, front bat mobile fairing it looks like something you pulled out of adam west's uh, closet or uh bruce wayne's closet and threw on uh, a motoguzzi straight out of the batman uh 60s show um i think that's an iconic that that's a one of a kind but that's still batwing style where it just flares out on the front so that style became popular, and then at the time, road glide or, or I'm sorry, electric glides, which are now famous for the front front uh, bat wing fairing, were um, they just had a really big tall windshield. They almost looked like a road king or like a heritage classic, where they got the big old front headlight and the passing lamps out there with this big old uh, windshield. And in 1969, it says this guy named Dean Wixom. Um, Designed the the fair the batwing fairing and it does look nothing like the vetter fairings I'm pretty sure all the vetter fairings were body mounted and we're going to talk about body mounted versus fork mounted here in a minute But um, but yeah, he designed the batwing fairing and it just slipped over and attached to the front of the motorcycle It kept the same uh Windscreen windshield that was there on the electric glide But it just slipped over that and probably clamped to the somewhere on the passing lamp bracket or to the one of the windshield brackets and it moved with the uh the bars it wasn't fixed it moved around with the handlebars um became one of the most iconic you know thing for the fl series bikes mostly the flhs um one of the most iconic front ends right and the flts had the big old body mounted uh fairing the shark nose fairing um 
What would, what is the difference between fork mounted and body mounted besides being, you know, what they sound like? Um, and I'm going to tell you that the fork mounted ones can be very simple and small. Um, all the way, they can, be, they can still be pretty convoluted. If you look at um, a lot of the Harley Davidson, I haven't really peeked into the Indian ones that much, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're roughly the same. The Indian ones, I think, are... Um, Body mounted too. I'm not 100. I'd, I'd have to check, but like the Indian Chieftain and the and the uh, basically the Victory Vision, the Springfields, all those all those ones that kind of use the Victory style front ends. Those are fork mounted, and I think the Challenger has a fairing as a body mounted fairing. Um, and the Harleys are pretty. Uh, I'm gonna guess the Indians too. They're pretty. They're not just a piece that slaps over the front. There's a lot to them. They carry everything from your instrument clusters to your, you know, your, your displays, your radios if you got them, like uh, several different gauges in there, little storage compartments, speakers, mirrors. Like there's a whole bunch that goes into these things. So they're not just a flat little bat nose thing like the very first bat wing fairing was where it just slapped over the front of the, uh, the uh, um, windshield and the instrument clusters and everything is separate. Like these things are involved nowadays, multiple parts to them multiple layers of uh there used to be some venting there used to be some you know there still is some uh some knobs and vents and things like that to get air to the rider um but yeah there's there's been a lot of development into the fairing this is the first thing that hits the wind in front of you um i can see why that's important it's the first first barrier to rider comfort or the first thing to make you more comfortable right so the, the Batwing style fairings or the fork mounted fairings on any any bike, um, I wouldn't call the Chieftain style Batwing. They wrap up real big. Vulcan, uh, Kawasaki Vulcan Vaqueros also have the big old uh, fairings in front that I believe are fork mounted. I don't think they're body mounted. It's been a while since I looked at a Vaquero. I guess I could do that right now while I'm trying to talk. See if I bite my lip off while I'm trying to concentrate and type at the same time. But, um, but yeah, all of these style fairings um, the, the benefit of having a fork mounted fairing is that the, um, the, uh, headlight turns and lets you go or lets you see where you're turning. And with the, with the body mounted fairing, it doesn't, I could tell you right now that, uh, having just spent, let me, uh, finish typing in Kawasaki Vulcan. I can't type it. God, guys typed Kawasaki Ulfkin. What a fool. Uh, I'm type Vaquero. Vulcan Vaquero. Let me see the picture of you. Oh, yeah, they might be body mounted. After all, they might not be fork mounted. Yep, I think they are body mounted on the Vaqueros. Uh, at least. Yep, here's the wheel turned and the fairing stays straight. So, uh, yeah, so we won't talk about that kind of right now. We'll talk, we're going to talk about fork mounted kind right now. Um, so yeah, the, the light turns where you want to, where you're turning. If you're doing, if you're doing a slow turn into a driveway or something and on a fairing mounted one, obviously it points straight cornering lights help with that. Cause you lean over and you can have cornering lights on all sorts of the, uh, like a lot of the sport touring bikes nowadays have cornering lights. I think the, uh, even the Pan America has them, the, F, uh, concourse has them, I believe. And the, um, I think the Yamaha, uh, I don't miss super 10 might have them. I don't know, but yeah, you lean over. Oh shoot. The ninja, the new ninjas, the ninja SX, um, or the H yeah, the ninja S, 
1000SX or whatever it is, or SE Plus, those has cornering lights. You lean over, so even though the fairing is body mounted, the light shines in the corner. So it doesn't always mean that that's a bad thing, but the bat wing fairings, I can tell you one thing. And I had a Honda Magna a long time ago, V4, uh, 1100cc, really fast. I think it was the fastest bike at the time. And I put a, well, I bought it with a, uh, um, sort of a bat wing style ripoff. It was a, it was a clear windshield, but it flared out on or around the handlebars like a bat wing fairing. And that thing got head shakes so bad. Now here's the benefit to the bat wing fairing. Yay. It's on the front. It moves with the headlight. Uh, they're pretty simple to attach if they're aftermarket. Um, they look pretty cool, I guess. They keep the air off your chest, right? You keep the air flying right up over to your helmet so that it goes, it fares the, fares the air just like a fairing is supposed to. The bad thing about it is that I get some, I got head shake on that bike where the faster, you know, if you're in doubt, gas out or throttle out, it didn't work. The faster you went, the worse the head shake got. And it's almost like the wind at some point pushed on one edge of that fairing or something wasn't, you know, the wind just didn't like the curve of it and it would it would start to oscillate and it's pushing on the left side or right side hand and so it starts to you know the right side starts to stick out or left side the opposite side starts to stick out in the wind now then the wind would hit that and slam it back well now the other side in the in the front and so it just it would try to equalize it and try to keep it level but the just the curve of it against the dirty you know the the un um, unregulated dirty wind you know just ambient ambient atmosphere that you're riding through just was too much it gave it a head shake and the faster you went the worse it got and the more i just was eventually just waiting for the front wheel just to wash out so i quickly learned not to go over like it was pretty low it was like 65 or 70 and that thing would start doing it and at that point it felt very like no this is i cannot go over this speed of this thing and this thing could do you know 100 easy so um yeah, I don't know. It's just—it's one of those things. I've heard a lot of Harley, not a lot, but I've heard a few Harley people say, yeah, on the Batwing fairing models, um, they prefer the road glide for long distance because the bat, you know, all the street glides and stuff are cool for cruising around town, electric glide, whatnot, uh, or, or doing cru- short cruises on the highway with maybe lower speeds, different states where the speed limit isn't, you know, 5,000 or else you get ran over like yours in California. When you can go fast, you do. Let me trust uh, trust me on that. Um, and I've heard people say stuff about the buffeting. Um, having said that, I've seen a lot of bikes doing easily 100 here in California. They didn't look like they had any issues. So maybe it's just uh, different riders, you know, different seat mounting. Maybe the tires are low and not right pressure. I don't know who's who's complaining, but maybe there's a reason for that. But I have heard that those Batwing ones and buff it a little bit. So the benefit of a fairing, a body-mounted fairing, is the fact that it's just stuck to your bike. It's going where your bike's going. Like I said, the wind, the headlights don't point where you're going, but you can always get cornering lights. Um, K1600 GT, actually from uh, uh, BMW, actually has a lamp that will turn. The headlamp has like these little mirrors uh, and laser beams inside, and it uh, shoots birds out of trees if you do a wheelie. So don't do a wheelie on it. But actually there is like a, uh, a motor, there's like a servo on the reflector inside the headlight. And as you lean and it senses that you're leaning, it'll turn that headlight uh, inside the actual housing. It's pretty crazy. And I think that that headlight is like more than my first two cars were. 
Um, but they're pretty proud of that headlight. And um, But yeah, it is, it is an option that you can get where the actual headlight will turn, sort of like the Tucker car, you know? Um, so there's there's ways to get around it with fixed fairings, but fixed fairings are so nice. You, you won't feel that buffeting if you get buffeting. Um, you know, you won't feel it. And I can attest to that. Uh, Wiggins and I, when we went to lunch or, uh, you know, brunch this weekend, both of us on sport bikes and the you're planted if the air that you're getting is the air that you're going to get and the body mounted uh just be, having the airflow over the entirety of the body is more predictable to me you don't get oscillations you're if your front forks start to hit a bump or something you're not affected by that and now the air pressing against it you know i've hit some pretty gnarly bumps on the freeway before that i didn't see and then it's like oh it's a gap in the freeway or like a seam in the freeway that they fixed and uh, it blended in with color-wise, but boy, when you hit it, your front wheel just starts to dance around. And if you have the air playing on that, pushing your uh, bar-mounted fairings around, that could cause some troubles, potentially. Um, so yeah, I think I just love the body-mounted fairing a little bit more just because it gives uh, a more planted feel. And I've ridden a few bikes with bar-mounted fairings. I forgot about that, I've, all the test rides I've taken on bikes. And I don't think we went fast enough or really did a long enough test ride on them to tell you that I could feel any buffeting. I will tell you, to fare or not to fare, because some of us like that classic look, right? I've never owned a bike with fairings on it, except for that Magna that had that aftermarket windshield. And I do have to mention one thing. I got an arm pump this year. First time ever in my life getting an arm pump. Um, and I got it right after the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Uh, and I think it was from the wind. I, and I, I've always said in the past, oh, you know, I love the wind. You can't, you know, I don't care about fairings, you know, or windshields. I really don't like the way they look, actually. And, uh, or little speed screens. I like none of that stuff. But I think I felt the effects of not having one finally this year. Because after the MPC and putting on, I don't know, I didn't even put a thousand miles. I put close to it, but not, uh, I don't think I put a thousand miles on in three weeks, but put pretty close to it. And um, and if you're gonna ride across country, Jay Jay used to always talk about. Oh yeah, I forgot we got some um, we got some mail actually about Jay speaking of fairings. And somebody was talking about uh, how they heard a woman on the show that had a lampshade or a cardboard uh, you know fairing on their SV or a fender extender. And yes, uh, I think that was Johnny Lowside sent that in. Um, I'll look up the name in a second here. Uh, while I'm looking that up, I will just talk about how Jay had like on her SV650, she had some um, improvised, uh, you know, she had used a lampshade to extend her windscreen up and then to keep water from just drenching her as she's riding all over the winter time here in SoCal. Um, she put a fender extender made out of a, I think a cutting board is what this guy said. And I don't remember, so I'm just going to have to defer to his um, his letter and just assume that that's what she said it was, uh, that it was possibly a cutting board that she used. Oh, please, where is Low Tide Rider. That's who it is. So his name is Johnny. Um, he started listening to the pod, and there was an episode with the woman who Mad Maxed her bike out, and that was Jay. So uh, long story short, or, or, you know, to relate this to the fairing thing, uh, Jay, Jay recognized the, uh, the importance of having a fairing and she's riding all over LA 
twice a day. You know, she she commuted like a hundred and something mo- miles every single day uh, through the streets of LA, and she had a fairing. So me, this this uh, spring, um, I think riding around without a fairing through this wind is just horrible. I've ridden through hor- horrible wind before, but um, you know, like to Vegas and back on uh, my SR um, and on my SCR and all over SoCal, you know, San Diego and back for work a few times. But what I did is I'd ride down there, work or do something, ride back, you know, next day or a couple days later after hanging out down there. Um, It's not like I was constantly on the road with no fairings, right? So I think what happened, because on the MPC this year, I spent a significant amount of time on the road in the wind with no fairings. And I think um, maybe I never got it before with my SR because she's so little. I had to stay tucked and I had to, uh, it was very lightweight. It wasn't, I was doing 85, but I mean, you know. It, for some reason, I feel like the I didn't really feel the wind wind on that bike, but on and maybe my number plate actually that I had on the front deflected quite a bit of it that I didn't realize because my SCR quite a bit faster, a lot more torque, and flying through the streets and on the freeways this year, commuting back and forth from Orange County up to Ventura County in one day too. The wind, eventually after the MPC this year, my arms started to ache. And I was doing a lot of pull-ups at the time too. That probably didn't help it. I think I was doing, uh, could have been compounded by a workout injury. I was trying to work out a lot um, then. And get, getting back into fitness after taking, you know, 2020 off. <laughs> so worst worst year to take off. But long story short is that I, I, I think I developed arm pump from hanging on to this bike in the wind with no fairings. And I think I finally uh, will eat my own words and say that um, our fairing is good or our fairing is bad, even though I don't really like them. I think that it would have prevented it, right? So uh, you decide, you let me know, uh, write in creative writing dot, uh, creative writing at uh, podcast at gmail.com. Um, and let me know to fare or not to fare. What's your experience with fairings? With batwing fairings, do you feel the buffeting? Or if you've got an aftermarket windscreen on yours that's that's mounted to the bars only, do you feel like I used to get really bad head shake on that um, V uh, the uh, not the V Max the um, Magna? Do you have you ever felt that you know and you can't get out of it and it's because of the fairing? Because I swear I took that thing off and guess what? No more head shake. So I knew that's what it was. But have you done that? Have you got fatigued by riding around a long time without a fairing, or have you never ridden around without a fairing? And uh, you're like, yeah, dummy, that's just gonna happen. But uh, you know, just to just to eat a little bit of crow, I think I'd have to say that if I were gonna ride across country or attempt an iron butt on a freeway. Anything that's going to be out in the wind at like, you know, 80 miles an hour all day long, uh, I probably would opt for a fairing. And I think it would keep the pressure off of my chest. And it keep it's not like I death grip the handlebars. And I'm sure you know that you don't death grip the handlebars when you ride. It's a pretty gentle grasp, but also just hanging on in the, in the wind gusts, constant wind gusts. It was a very windy um, spring. And I don't know why, but it's not, it's like you're riding in dirty air or something. Cause I feel like I'm constantly getting buffeted around and no matter where I'm riding to, whether it's the desert or down South or up North on the freeways next to the beach is the worst. Uh, Cause sometimes you get that heavy sea breeze coming in, 
I always feel like I'm getting knocked around and kicked around because I don't have fairings, right? In my head, I'm always uh, surprised my neck doesn't hurt more because I can see, I literally, there'll be times where I'm riding and I'll, I'll see my helmet shaking around and it's because the wind's hitting it. You know, I look like um, I have Parkinson's or something and it's just because the wind, it can't, I can't hold it still. And then a big old gust will come and whip my head back. And I'm like, geez, I know Carr saw that. A car thinks I'm headbanging right now, but it's because of the wind. So I guess it does take a toll. Um, like I said, I was doing a lot of pull-ups too. And I and I weigh about t- probably 15 pounds more than I used to when I do used to do pull-ups. So I was probably putting extra strain on my arms on top of this uh, ri- riding all, all the time. I got to the point where my arms were hurting at night. Like they would wake me up pumping like the arm pump is real wake me up in the middle of the night in such pain and I couldn't do anything about it I started trying to do some alternative stretches I would take like anti-inflammatories for it I got to the point where I could barely curl 10 pounds like hey I want to get back into working out you know and 10 pounds is not even start you know it's horrible so I'm working my way back up the arm pump has stopped since uh, I've given it a rest for a few months. But even after riding bikes, me and Wiggins hit the pump track a lot this year with uh, the kids uh, over the summer when it wasn't 73,000 degrees. And even after doing the pump track for a couple hours, my arms would go right back to killing me, right? And so, and I couldn't, you know, I could barely carry groceries in half the time it hurt so bad and it was, I know it's like neurological right it's not like something stabbing me in the arm but it felt like it so if you've ever had arm pump I was I think I was going to reach out to a couple people who I know have had arm pump um see what they did about it but I can tell you if you suffer from arm, arm pump and you're riding on the freeway on an unfair bike it could be the reason <laughs> and so lots of stretching um I can kind of feel it right now because I just worked out today but I can kind of feel it but at least I'm back I'm getting back up my curls I think I can curl um, on each arm now I think I can curl back up to like 30 pounds which is still far from what I used to be able to do so I'm still working my way back up but it's going to take I'm guessing it's going to take a while it's better than being able to only curl 10 pounds I can tell you that much but I can only do about 30 pounds on each arm right now um, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm still on the road to recovery Um, but yeah, it's, it is, it was rough and, um, yeah, wouldn't want to wish on anybody. And I, it made me rethink the whole fairing thing. Uh, so to fair or not to fair, my fair lady, what say you? And let's take a quick break. Let's wrap up the show and get out of here. And, uh, I guess it's going to come out on October 1st, not the 30th. So damn. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Come back, back creative rubbing what that's what i said all right i'll stick with it This is Junk from Creative Writing here to tell you don't mess around with those hair removal products for men that you may have heard of on other shows. Go with Terra Haute Tonics. Put some whoopee on the bang bang. Terra Haute Tonics. Find it in your grocery store. All right, everybody, we are back with some 
creative writing, and this is going to be the last segment of our show. I'm sure I got some more. Uh, sure, I got some more emails. I put them in this folder called listener letters. Now I can't find them. <laughs> All right, so uh, no big deal. We will get to those next week. Anyways, I did want to say uh, this is our segment called off track. I haven't really done this in a long time, but hey, did you know? Speaking of like all the weird stuff that I thought I knew and, uh, you know, sort of like the Pan America thing that I brought up last week and it turns out they were probably right. Uh, the filthy mouth of the Komodo dragon, right? And as I talked about, uh, on last week, everything I thought I knew and everything you thought you knew too. And actually this was supposed to go with next week's topic or next show's topic, which is uh, changing, changing parts. So, (laughs) Anything. And we'll, we'll just say that it doesn't go with this week's show, but this this goes with next week's show and last week's show. Everything you thought you knew that was po- probably fake, uh, guess what? I wanted to remind you that I thought Komodo dragons killed their prey with their filthy, filthy mouths. And I just learned something the other day. I was reading this uh, article, and as a kid, I was, uh, you know, just take take all those principles and throw them in the crapper, right? All that knowledge, everything you thought you were so, so badass and new. You were just eating the filth that you were fed. I thought, as a kid, I was taught, actually I didn't thought, I was taught that Komodo dragons had such dirty mouths that the bite of a dragon would uh, introduce super harmful bacteria into their prey and eventually it would kill it. And that's basically what a paraphrase of a book that I uh, was looking up the other day said. And it was like, hey, listen, this info was based on a book written in 1981. And an American researcher who moved to Indonesia way back in 69 uh, to study the Komodo dragons, um, his work over the next couple of decades was the basis for much of the info in this book. And the bacterial myth was disputed several times using several different methods, actually, and was refuted each time. And it wasn't until 2013, which is less than a freaking decade ago, that people finally paid attention. And it's so funny, uh, the scientific community accepted the findings in 2013. And it's so funny because you'll go back and you'll look and in 1980 it was brought up. Are you sure that this is right? Like I read your book that just came out and I thought they had venom. Nope. Uh, again, like they'll do it in 2009 or something. They looked at it and it's like, nope. Uh, you know, I think it's still not credible. Like this is what happens when your peers, other scientists read your work and think they've done studies to the contrary. And it's just proof to me that we don't know Jack squat about Jack squat. You might have an idea so locked in your brain. You might even have facts. And if we were talking about next week's topic, you know what I was talking about, but you think you might have some hard locked facts, uh, even talking about like this week's topic, let's make it about this week's topic. Cows versus fairings, right? What is the difference between a cow and a fairing? Well, sometimes it comes down to vernacular. Sometimes it comes down to very specific piece. And sometimes a fairing can be a cow or a cow can be a fairing. So I don't know. That's just my junkie Turdman off topic segment for this week. 
the things you think you know aren't always what you know. And eventually I'm going to, uh, after re-listening to last uh, episode, I'm going to go, I'm going to find that chain company. I'm going to find that sprocket company. I'm going to invite both of them to come on the podcast. And we're going to talk about Junkie Turdman's unpopular theory that you do not have to swap your sprockets and chains at the same time. Because possible, it is quite possible that they do not wear at the same time. Um, or that one could be totally unfazed and the other one just worn to crap, you know, depending on, depending on circumstances. So there you go. The less you know, huh? The less you know. All right. Well, we're not going to do any of Junkie's health tips because why would you take tips from a guy that, uh, used to, that got arm pumped from riding his motorcycle and, uh, trying to do 17,000 pull-ups when he's, uh, 25 pounds overweight. Why would you do that? Also, uh, upcoming events, I already told you in the beginning of the show. So I would just like to say, hey, if you, uh, oh, and patrons, I've mailed everybody their stuff. So you should have got it. If you didn't get it yet, it's probably still in the way. Um, so hopefully you got it already by the time this show comes out. Um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, the Patreon giveaway. Um, we will announce that winner. We, we're choosing a winner. Uh, in September, like I said on our little video, and I found a fun, cool way to choose the winner. I will announce the winner on the next episode, since it'll be the first episode of October. And uh, I'm gonna we we got a scary scramble tentatively planned for this year. Um, yeah, I'm gonna fill you in on that, uh, and it's gonna take this place of spooky spokes hopefully this year so uh look forward to that this year and also weekend rides if you do want to if you're in the socal area and you want to ride around with me and wiggins on saturday or sunday uh before he moves i I'm, he's threatened to move 18 times and i think this time it's for real folks i think he's heading back east somewhere um come give it give us a, a shout out creative writing podcast at gmail.com you have heard that email thrown around a bunch in this show but this time for real, do it. Email us, um, hit us up on Instagram, uh, wherever you want to try and get a hold of us. Check us out and come for a ride with us. If you want to go on a, I'm got, got some stuff planned um, for hopefully later this year or early next year. I know writing season for some of you is ending, but it, if you come out to California, it never ends. So I think it would be cool to do some rides, some curated rides around the Southland here. And uh, so I'm kind of trying to plan some of that stuff out. I don't know how work and home life and holidays is going to be coming up. For me, it gets pretty hectic because uh, I'm super unprepared for that stuff personally. So when it hits, it's like, oh, my God, and it's back to back. So hopefully I have something planned or, or I will be able to get something planned. But I, I do want to do like a little uh, set up a couple rides here around the uh, SoCal so if you're going to be out here on vacation or visiting, or if you live here, uh, hit me up and hit hit me up if you want to come do a ride with me and Wiggins. Uh, we're, we've ridden all over. We can ride south. We can ride north. We can ride east. Uh, whatever your pleasure. Let us know. And then, and if you've got any good ideas, and it's a couple hours here or there, um, that'd be awesome. Uh, and don't forget, Wiggins is going to be at a knife show on October 8th. I think it's the... Uh, Southland Knife Show. I'm sure he's got it on his Instagram. Uh, while I'm blabbing, I'll, I'll uh, open that and find it. Um, but uh, last thing I wanted to say, check us out on uh, creativewritingpodcast.gmail.com. You can always send us stuff there. 
um, and always get us um, get in touch with us, send us show ideas, uh, invite yourself to be on the show, you know, anything fun like that, uh, go for it. Also, check us out Facebook and Instagram, Creative Grinding Podcast, at Creative Writing Podcast for both of those. Uh, t- Twitter, we are creative underscore writer. And on Reddit, we are creative underscore writing. We got our first guest in there, which is Fildo, <laughs> the Norse Force. Um, he is coming in to uh, be our first, I think he scored first blood as a first member of our community on there. But also we've got a lot of people uh, that aren't part of the creative writing community still reaching out and emailing and it's a great place to connect because um, unlike Instagram you can like post links to stuff where we can say hey show me some of your stuff and you can you can do it um, it's a little bit better contact for, for me personally so yeah go check that out and uh, hit us up do not go to creative writing on there go to creative underscore writing or you'll get a big surprise and as always uh go support patreon patreon.com forward slash creative writing and also forward slash uh um nokomoto our, our bros at the nokomoto podcast on the uh moto one podcast headquarters east has also started a patreon and uh go support those guys they put out an awesome show every week and uh, it'd be awesome. I, I joined as a Patreon of their show, and I hope you do too. And anyways, have a good one. Until we meet next time, keep your ears primed and uh, to the ground. Keep your throttle hand pinned down. I wish Tobor was here to stop me when I start going into these things. But anyway, or you. Why don't you, you come in here, do an interview with me. And you keep me from saying all the stupid stuff. So don't stop anyone on the street. Tell them they have a nice baby and then ask them where they get it. It's very awkward. All right. Talk to you all later, peeps. Bye. Junkie, junkie, junkie.